0: Everybody, welcome to the export. I'm next to alongside me as always is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka somebody who I'm sure Penny Hardaway would be happy to talk to, cause I'm sure he was his good luck charm in Memphis's tournament win today. How you doing today, Ethan? I'm good. I'm really excited. Uh, not just
1: because Memphis won, but it's one of my favorite times of the year, March Madness. Just getting a chance to watch good basketball for a good while and it's just some really exciting games to look forward to.
0: I feel you on that with March Madness coming on, I mean, the MLB and MLBPA kind of ended the lockout, so that's free agency going on and NFL free agency going on, I think as a sports fan, I mean, there's always things to talk about and to keep track of, so it's been a lot of fun, but speaking of NFL free agency, of course, we're going to break that down a bit, give our favorite and least favorite picks, as well as find home for home for some of the top remaining free agents available. With the NBA, of course, we're going to talk about Steph Curry's injury and how far we feel like the Warriors will still be able to go without him in tow and then we're going to close out the show discussing who we feel if LeBron James will be better off shutting down this current season with the Los Angeles Lakers but before we get to any of that please be sure to check out the xreport.net I repeat the for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow xreport uh writers um, previous episodes of my lovely podcast and our youtube channel entitled the x report now as i mentioned this is going to be with regards to the nfl it is definitely going to be free agent heavy but of course i gotta plug my latest mock draft i know that for those of you who have read it or are gonna read it you're gonna see that pretty much based off free agency none of most of those picks are in vain but it's all good still be able to go check that out it was a lot of To write a labor of love, and of course, I'll have another mock draft coming out in the next few weeks after the dust has kind of settled with free agency. But it seems like the dust of Tom Brady has not yet settled. After this past weekend, he announced via Twitter that he was coming back for his 23rd NFL season. He said, These past two months, I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That time will come. But it's not now. I love my teammates, and I love my supportive family. They make it all possible. I'm coming back for my 23rd season in Tampa. Unfinished business, LFG. Now, Ethan, when you found out about this, were you surprised? And how do you feel like this is going to help affect Tampa the rest of this off season?
1: Was I surprised? I was somewhat surprised. I wasn't surprised that he came back. I was surprised at how early he came back. I thought that he might would have made his return kind of maybe somewhere during the actual season, kicking off he saw a couple games, and he might have saw like some bad quarterback play for Tampa. And it's like, bro, if I was out there, we, could still, we could still be in the mix to win a Super Bowl. But for him to basically only be retired for two months, I was slightly surprised by that. Um, in the case of... The Bucks and how significant of a um, piece this is for him, I think it's really significant because we both said when he did retire that he still had a lot left in the tank when they obviously have re-signed Chris Godwin to a good extension and it's already been reported that now they're in the, uh, they're in the market for Julio Jones since he's been released by the Titans. And I think that there's going to be things to where it's like you're going to be able to pick up free agents and cheap deals that can really produce, and they might make another Super Bowl run because the NFC has um, a lot of openings, in my opinion. You know, Russ is gone from Seattle, even mm-hmm. though Seattle was on a down team with him out of the way. Now you completely can root them out. Um, who knows what's going to happen with uh, Arizona? with Kyler Mary and things of that nature. And, like, Jimmy G's, Jimmy G leaves and this Trey Lance show. Who knows what that's going to look like. And that's a potential two playoff teams from this past season not making a postseason. So I think it's going to be a big impact.
0: Truthfully, I wasn't really surprised when Tom Brady came back either because it never seemed like he was totally – committed to retiring like even after he made that long you know social media post about his decision to retire it never seemed like whenever he was interviewed that no I'm done I'm not coming back he always sort of kind of left that door open for a potential return and I think that honestly this is the perfect time to do it because let's be honest we looking at the quarterback that that the Bucks had on their roster whether it be Blaine Gabbard or Kyle Trask neither of those guys have proven to be Someone that you really want to carry your franchise and then looking at the other available quarterbacks, the best one available was Deshaun Watson. I mean, they weren't going to get Russell Wilson. Um, they would have potentially had to trade up quite a bit to try to get one of these rookie quarterbacks, but nobody's really sold on these rookie quarterbacks as it seems. So they would have been going through quite a bit of turmoil. So the Bucks are I mean, you and I have talked about this a lot, but I feel like the Bucks are already big free agency winners just because not only do you get Tom Brady back, but you don't have to deal with the quarterback problems. And you also kind of touched on it a bit about being able to bring in back those free agents. They're getting Chris Godwin back. Um, Ryan Jensen, who was expected to make big money, he's coming back. They brought in Russell Gage, wide receiver for the Falcons. I think that's a great pick. And so in having Tom Brady... Tampa's going to look like a much more desirable free agent destination because you know you have a quarterback in place, a Hall of Fame, one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback of all time there, as opposed to trying to start all the way over. But speaking of some quarterback drama, there is quite a bit of quarterback drama in Cleveland. Um, following the Deshaun Watson pursuit after he was cleared of all criminal charges. The Cleveland Browns were one of the four teams that got the chance to visit with Watson in hopes of bringing him in. That's all fine and dandy. They were one of the finalists. However, it rubbed quarterback Baker Mayfield the wrong way, especially after the team had reportedly assured him that he was going to be their quarterback going into next season. So last night, uh, Baker Mayfield returned to Twitter to post the following message. The past four years have been nothing short of truly life-changing since I heard my name called in the draft to go to Cleveland. This is not a message with hidden meaning. This is strictly a thank you to the city of Cleveland for embracing my family and me. We've had many memories and shared growing in this process through all the ups and downs. I have no clue what happens next, which is the meaning behind the silence I have had during the duration of this process. I can only control what I can control, which is trusting in God's plan throughout this process. Um, I had given this franchise everything I have. That is something I've always done at every stage and at every level, and that will not change wherever I take my next step. Whatever happens, I just want to say thank you to the fans who truly embrace who I am and the mentality that's aligned so well with this city's hardworking people. Cleveland will always have a part of Emily and my story, and we will always be thankful for the impact it has had and will have in our lives." sincerely Baker Mayfield with that it seemed a foregone conclusion that Baker was going to be gone however even after the Browns were knocked out of the Deshaun Watson Sweet skates earlier today it was clear that Baker still had no plans of being there and leading him to request a trade however the uh, as of right now the Browns representatives have denied Baker's trade requests so, Ethan, a lot going on in Cleveland right now. First off, what are your thoughts on the whole Baker situation with him requesting a trade? And then secondly, let's say Baker is traded, which I think will happen. Where do you think he ends up?
1: Um, in regards to what I think about the situation, I think it's the situation where, honestly, if Baker was to be traded, I think he could be better for both for both parties Um, because – Baker might just need to change the scenery. He he came in to Cleveland. Honestly, it's the biggest surprise first round draft, first round, not even first round, first overall pick mm-hmm. in my opinion, maybe in the history of the NFL, because I think at that point everybody was expecting the Browns to take um
0: Sam Darnold.
1: Yeah, Sam Darnold and they came out of nowhere and took Baker Mayfield and then he showed flashes in his rookie year, and he kind of just, he never really progressed. He kind of stayed at the same level he was as his rookie year, and then he might, he degressed a little because some injuries that he's had started to um, wear on him, and I think that he wasn't getting love anymore. He's the type of player that um, he's fiery. He has, like, I think you've seen the video where Steve Smith was talked about it, but he's an emotional player. And because of that, when he's winning, you love it. But when he's losing, he can come across as the crybaby and he can rub a lot of people the wrong way. So I think it'll be good for both parties. Where do I think he'll end up? Um, I know that the whole <laughs> the whole um, Deshaun Watson suit states is over, but we've heard this before. I honestly could potentially see him with the Texans
0: because I think that even if Deshaun Watson
1: doesn't go to Cleveland, I think that they could potentially make a trade just to be a potential starting level with the Texans and what they have their roster.
0: That's fair. So, I'm going to start this off by I am not a Baker Mayfield fan. I mean, I have been pretty critical of Baker since his time in the NFL. I haven't drank the Kool-Aid. I mean, I I think that his rookie year was solid. Even the year they went to the playoffs was fine, but in comparison to everyone else around him, it's just not enough. However, in him publicly making it known he wants to be traded, I respect him more for that than anything else he's ever done on the field. Because if I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm disrespected. Like don't get me wrong, Deshaun Watson is a better player and I understand that, but And the NFL is a business, of course, but don't sit in my face all offseason. Yeah, Baker, we're going to build around you. We're going to bring you back. Last year was just a fluke, blah, blah, blah. But you go out of your way to try to entice another quarterback to come here when you keep telling me that this job is mine. I'm not going to be your fallback plan. I'm not going to be your plan B. I'm not going to be the girl you got because you couldn't get the girl that you wanted. And so if I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm pissed off. And so I respect him for not just being like, oh, well, at least I got a job. Nah, screw you guys. You don't want to commit to me. You don't trust me. All right, I'll go somewhere else. And as you mentioned, I think that it'll be a good time to get a fresh start for both parties. I think that with regards to the Browns, I mean, if you look at their division, I know there's some questions about Mitchell Trubisky, but I mean, he's – It's Baker, based off last year, Baker Mayfield is the worst quarterback in that division. And if you want to compete like the Browns want to compete, you have to get better at that position. You keep Baker Mayfield, you're not competing. Whereas for Baker Mayfield, I feel like him going somewhere else, he'll get a new some new scenery, just a new change, possibly be in the offense that will allow him to be better. In other words, I mean, allow him more creativity, allow him more opportunities to pass the ball as opposed to being such a run-heavy scheme. I think that that would be really helpful for him. But either way, I think that Baker Mayfield is no longer a Cleveland Brown. And as you mentioned, I think it's best for both sides. And with regards to where I think he should end up, I would say I don't love it. For, like, because I'm going to say Seattle. And the reason why I say I don't love it is just because I don't think he makes Seattle and all of a sudden a contender or supremely better team, which kind of sucks because I like Tyler Lockett. I love Jamal Adams. We all know he's my favorite safety in the league. And then I like a lot of things about DK's game. And I feel like it's going to, of course, be a big downgrade from... Um, What they were getting with Russell Wilson, but because they are Players of a similar stature Because they are players who have kind of a similar Game, of course Baker's not as Nowhere near as elusive as uh, Russ is, of course it's going to Be different, but I think that that would be a solid Place for him because at least he'd go somewhere that had Decent weapons, but all right, Last piece before we get on to free agency Speaking of the Indianapolis Colts, a team that need a quarterback They did make a pretty interesting hire in bringing back future Hall of Fame wide receiver Reggie Wayne to be their wide receivers coach so it got me to thinking about other former players that we would like to see come back in a coaching capacity so Ethan if you had your way what NFL former player would you have come back to coach
1: this easy right head coach or DC what
0: would you want him to be
1: uh I would want to DC. DC. I think he – I don't think he would – I don't think he – I think he would be a great D coordinator, but I don't think he would be a great head coach.
0: That's fair. I'm going to go with another legend of for the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm going to say Ed Reed. I almost went DC, but I'm going to say DB coach just because, I mean, I feel like as a DB Um, his message will definitely translate better with the defensive uh, backs that we have on the squad. And if we can make that happen, that'd be great. I mean, he never necessarily turned down the opportunity to want to come coach. I think he said he wanted to be either a defensive coordinator or a head coach, but I wouldn't be mad to see it. But all right, let's go ahead and talk our favorite moves of free agency going top five. Would you like to go back and forth? You want me to go first, you to go first. How would you like to do it? We can go back and forth. All right, you can start us off with your number five favorite offseason move. And it could be a trade or it could be a signing.
1: Okay, number five, I am going to go with Chandler Jones going to the Las Vegas Raiders. And the reason I'm saying that is because that quarterback is very quarterback. the, The division is very quarterback heavy. The AFC is a... In my opinion, now it's a bloodbath of all the teams that that have competent rosters in that that division. But one of the things that you need in in this NFL to be a good defense is you need people that can get to the passer. So I got to go with Chandler Jones to the Raiders.
0: I have the exact same position. I have the exact same division, but a different player. I'm going Khalil Mack being traded to the Chargers. I mean... I don't know what the Chargers front office exactly had on the Bears, but to get a player like Camille Khalil Mack and not have to sacrifice a one—that's a pretty great move. And then you see that the Chargers already have a great edge rusher and Joey Bosa, so combining those two forces, it's going to be very hard, especially considering the other free agent moves that the Chargers have been able to make. But all right, let's go ahead and look at a uh, number four. Who you got?
1: Um, I actually have Khalil Mack to the Chargers. I think. The only reason I I have him above Chandler Jones is because I think he can make a huge impact on their locker room, Mm -hmm. whereas you have a lot of young guys. You have um, Joey Bosa, you have Darren James, you have a lot of young guys that's going to be on their defense, and who's to say that it still won't get younger because they're projected to maybe draft Jordan Davis out of Georgia. But you have a veteran who's been in playoff games, who's been in awards, and you're putting him next to an already predominant pass rusher. And I think that he's going to keep regained some of the form that he had in years past. So that's the only reason I have him or
0: Jones I mean both are great additions I mean if I'm a quarterback I don't want to see either of those guys all right my number four same position is going to be outside linebacker Hassan Redick signing with the Eagles on a three-year 45 million dollar deal I mean for those of you who don't know I mean he played college at Temple so he's familiar with the Philadelphia area and I mean these past couple of seasons Hassan Reddick has really blown up in a big way signed a one-year prove-it type deal with the Panthers this past year and was one of their best players overall this past year so i'm excited to see one him actually get paid for his services and two going back to the familiar area i think that he's going to be a really big player for the eagles all right what do you got at three
1: number three i have the buffalo bills signing my former offensive lineman roger sappho um when you have a a high power offense pass happy you're going to need a guy that can hold it up on the line and roger sappho's been one of the more underrated Offensive linemen, especially given his tenure with the Titans, because he is a older player. I hate that he left, but I think that's a great sign for Buffalo. Uh,
0: I'm going to go on the offensive side as well, but I'm going wide receiver Russell Gage going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, he may not be – or it may not have been the biggest free agent name available, but what I love about Russell Gage is he's really kind of made himself into a productive number two, maybe number three type receiver in the league, especially after this past year showing with Atlanta. And then not only are you going to be playing with – Well, all-time great in Tom Brady, but also you have Mike Evans on the other side. I'm presuming Gronk is probably going to be coming back as well. And then whenever Chris Godwin comes in, that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for Russell Gage and give them a really strong third wide receiver, something that they didn't have last year after all the injuries and the Antonio Brown drama. All right, number two, what you got?
1: Number two is the the man that broke the news earlier today. I have Allen Robinson going to to the Los Angeles Rams. I think that they already had a super high powered offense and it was led by Cooper Cup. But now you're bringing in Allen Robinson, someone who's finally going to be able to play with a dynamic quarterback since he's been in the NFL. And he's a guy that can relieve pressure from Cooper Cup. He can win. Just imagine him being your wide receiver two or three, depending on the situation. And he's been a bona fide number one his whole career. So I think that's an amazing sign for the Rams.
0: It's definitely a very interesting one. We'll I'll get to that a bit later when we find homes for other top free agents. But my number two, I got to take it to my favorite team. I absolutely love signing safety Marcus Williams for five years, 70 mil. I want to say it's like 37 million fully guaranteed. I mean – uh, Eric DeCosta, Baltimore's general manager, talked about it in press conferences. Like, he wanted to bring in a playmaker, a ball hawk on the back end. And in terms of players who do that, Marcus Williams totally fits that bill. I want to say he's created, like, 15 interceptions since joining the league just five years ago. I mean, he has been such a dynamic and underrated piece of that um, Saints defense. And I'm really happy to see what he'll be able to do, especially lined up against, you know, great receivers that we're going to be facing in the AFC. But I think that he, the dog in him is going to work out really well with Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphreys, Chuck Clark. I absolutely love that addition. But all right, your overall favorite move of free agency, what is it?
1: I think we have the same exact one, and if we don't, I would be highly surprised. But I have the Denver Broncos making the move to trade for one Russell Wilson. I think that with the baby of receivers, young receivers that they have, they already have a – a running back that they could use for the future in um you, what's his name?
0: Javante Williams.
1: John. Yeah, Javante Williams. And like they they defense is still a decent defense, so I think that's the best signing so far or best move of the offseason so
0: far. Okay, so if we were factoring all off seasons, we will be in agreement. However, I just tried to relegate my list to the stuff that's happened over the past couple of days. So I gotcha. But it is definitely like if we factor everything, yes, it's my, the best move. But I'm going to go back to the defensive side of the ball. This is, and it is the trade of Yannick Ngakwe to the Colts. I know that Yannick Ngakwe is not a player who gets the respect that he deserves, but since he has been in the league, he has been one of the most uh, prolific and consistent edge rushers. I mean, I know a lot of attention went to Mason Krah. Cry- be this um, not Max Crosby, I'm sorry, Max Crosby this past year and with the Raiders. But, I mean, Yannick Ngakwe had more sacks. He was an even better pass rusher on the opposite side. Now, I understand you pay Chandler Jones all that money, somebody's got to go, and it just ended up being Yannick Ngakwe. But I like the potential of Yannick Ngakwe more than Jones just because I know he's going to be able to play longer. And so the fact that the Colts were able to get him for a cornerback who probably wasn't even going to be the, on the roster by the time their summer came, I thought that was a great move by the Colts. I mean, we know how great Darius Leonard is. We know DeForest Buckner is a bad dude in the middle of the defensive line. Now you get another stout edge rusher. I think the Colts' defense, especially once they get it, bring in another corner, is going to do some real damage on the defensive side of the ball. But, all right, let's go to our top five least favorite moves. I'll start this one off. At number five, I have Mitchell Trubisky to the Steelers. I don't dislike it because I think it's expensive. Like It's only two years, 14.2, and it doesn't necessarily guarantee – that he's going to start. But I just feel like there were better options out there. But, you know, you know how the Steelers are. They'll make it work. They're still going to be competitive. But I still feel like the Steelers could have been a bit more aggressive to try to trade for a quarterback or bring in a better free agent option.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I'm actually in the green. I think the Mitchell Trubisky signing, I think it was one of those situations to where, I think a lot of people bought into the hype that the, um, the Bills co- quarterback coach is fixing Mr. in a similar fashion to which he fixed um, um, freaking Josh Allen. And I don't think that that's the case. I think that he's going to get in Pittsburgh and he's going to make a rabid fan base really upset.
0: Yeah. And truthfully, I still feel like the Steelers are gonna draft the quarterback high. I just think that it's just gonna this is just stopping him from trading up to get somebody. Um at number four, this is where I have running back Chase Edmonds to the Dolphins on the two year twelve point one million dollar deal. I know that they also signed Raheem Mostert, but if I'm the Dolphins, I'm not comfortable with my running back room. I wanna bring in better players. And truth be told, in my opinion, I don't Chase Ed- Edmonds would not have been the first running back I would have given a call. I feel like putting him in the toe isn't going to necessarily boost the Dolphins' run game because we saw last year, them not having a run game really hurt them down the stretch and against better teams. So I don't love it. I think that they could have got somebody better.
1: So I'm going with the man that you mentioned in this. I'm going with Raheem Mostert simply because I don't like this signing because he hasn't been healthy for it feels like his whole career right you will have like one to two amazing games at the beginning of the season and then he will get an injury and he's out for the rest of it and when you have the type of team that the Dolphins have where you're trying to find your traction as a team and now you just you just hired a new um a new head coach who granted I understand that he worked with Raheem mostly in San Fran but I think one of the things that you have to have and think about is the best ability and availability. Mm -hmm. And I hope 14 mostly doesn't provide the
0: option. I feel you on that. Um, Moving on to number three, you spoke about being available. Um, Defensive end Randy Gregory to the Broncos. This was definitely a drama-filled pick just because – Initially, he was going to sign almost the same deal with the Cowboys, but after finding out there was a stipulation in the deal where the team would be able to void his guaranteed money if he got fined in his contract was something that really upset Randy Gregory, to which he said F the Cowboys and ended up signing the same deal without that clause with the Broncos. I know that On the surface, it doesn't seem fair to put that stipulation in, but Randy Gregory is somebody who's been a bit of a knucklehead since getting drafted in, I want to say it was 2016. I mean, I want to say he's been suspended at least two or three times, and while he's been talented this past year, I mean, he got hurt. So it's hard to know how much you can really trust Randy Gregory, and I understand you want to boost your edge rush, but this is a lot of money to give to somebody who you don't know if you can really trust.
1: Yeah, I'm in agreement with you, and, you know, I hate to say it because typically those mistakes are made by the Cowboys, but to see an organization like the Broncos who hit a home run with the trade for Russell Wilson make a somewhat boneheaded decision in signing Randy Randy Gregory, I definitely got to go with them.
0: All right, my number two least favorite move, uh, cornerback Javarius Ward going to the 49ers, three-year $40.5 million deal. I totally agree that the 49ers needed the corners. This was... If you didn't know the 49ers secondary was bad, you need to rewatch it. They had a lot of problems. But if I was going to give this much money to somebody, it would it would not have been him. I think that you could have got... Stephon Gilmore, a supremely better player for a different deal. Not J.C. Jackson, of course. J.C. was going to get much more money. But I think even maybe a Carlton Davis, who I feel like is an upgrade over Travarius Ward. Um, Ward got burnt a lot, especially towards the closing ends of the season. You don't believe me. Just watch what Jamar Chase did to that man on a routine basis. He got ugly. So I feel like the 49ers overpaid a bit for somebody who, at best, is average.
1: So for me, I'm going to be completely honest with you. The reason I'm about to make the pick that I'm making is more so because of the player that is away from my team than the actual team that he wants to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I am picking running back Dante Foreman going to the Carolina Panthers. He, I think he's a great, uh, he's definitely a great depth pick for a, run, for a running back room, but I hate that the Titans did not resign it, man. So for me, that is why it's number two.
0: Especially because they got them pretty cheap, um, and then number one, I think that pro- this is probably the move that was the talk of free agency. But Christian Kirk signing a four-year, seventy-two million dollar deal, which could go up to eighty-four million. The reason why I got everybody in such an uproar is because it. The first initial number reported was the 84 million, but even still, 72 mil is a lot for Christian Kirk, somebody who has never touched over a thousand receiving yards. I know there was not a situation where he was ever the Cardinals' number one receiver, but the Jags gave a lot of money to somebody who has proven to be at best a slot wide receiver. Maybe he could prove everybody wrong, but I just that's a lot of money, and it really helps change the market for wide receivers.
1: Yeah, I'm in agreement with you because he's he's not a number one wideout. It'd be different if he was. It'd be different if you were to make the move for Allen Robinson. Like if you were to do that, I would completely understand. Right. But you're doing it for a guy who, throughout the course of his career, has been the third best wide receiver on the team at most. And granted, I understand your wide receiver room. It's not the greatest, but you guys have talent like we have. um, you had dj chart you had lavisky you had some pretty good you had marvin jones senior who's not that bad of an option himself like you had talent at the wide receiver spot but you're overpaying for a guy that is probably gonna end up being your slot receiver
0: yeah paying a lot of money for somebody who wasn't even the best free agent wide receiver i understand you want to find a speedy wide out but this was this was a bit much but all right, even though we mentioned uh, just a lot of names right there, there's still quite a few uh, great free agents who are looking at a home. So what we're going to do before we play our game of believable or buffoonery is find homes for the top players at each position. Starting at running back, Jam- I mean, not running back, I'm sorry, quarterback. Jameis Winston, I'm on. Un- if you ask me, I think that when it's all said and done, Deshaun Watson is going to be a New Orleans Saint. So I think the best move for Jameis Winston is to take his talents to Indianapolis. I'm
1: actually,
0: actually in the green. All right, running back, my main man, Leonard Fournette. Where do you think his best bet is to sign?
1: Uh, playoff Lenny. I am going to say, actually, re signing with the Buccaneers.
0: Honestly, I'm in agreement with you. I think, especially since Tom Brady came back, I mean, he clearly loves playing with Tom. It's going to open up a lot of things for him. If you're not going to Baltimore, just go ahead and go to Tampa. All right, wide receiver, another former LSU Tiger, one of my favorite players, Odell Beckham Jr. This was tough for me because I think that the Allen Robinson move, this doesn't totally destroy his chances of going back to the rounds, but it's like I don't think Odell is trying to go somewhere and potentially be a number four wide receiver because you got to keep in mind Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Robert Woods is going to be coming back. From his ACL, I don't think Odell wants to be in that crowded of a wide receiver room, so I think he takes his talents back home to New Orleans. Because as I mentioned, I figure Deshaun Watson's going to end up being a Saint.
1: Uh, for me, I agree with, with the New Orleans pick, but I think that he this might be a uh, redemption year for the Grand the Packers, I think he's going to end up in Grand Bay.
0: I could definitely see that. Speaking of Green Bay, uh, that's where I see tight end Robert Tunyon returning to. He had a chance to have a really good year this past year, but an ACL early on kind of ruined that for him, but I think that he gained a really solid rapport with the uh, Packers, plus they still need a tight end, so that's the direction I would go in.
1: Yeah, I have Robert Tunyon actually, if I- if my dreams are true, signing with the Tennessee Titans. We, I think one of the things that we learned is um, over the course of this season, we need a reliable receiver and tight end, and I think that you can make it great
0: Titan. I feel you. All right, let's move on to offensive line, the best offensive lineman left, offensive tackle, Teron Armstead. Excuse me, uh, where do you think he ends up signing?
1: I think if the um, if the Saints are going to get Deshaun, I think he's
0: going to resign with New Orleans. Yeah, I did see a po- a post uh, saying that, so I'm in agreement with you. I think that's going to end up being the move as well. All right, let's move to the defensive side of the ball and one of your favorite positions, defensive tackle Fletcher Cox, who earlier today was released by Philly. Now they mentioned that they could um, come together to kind of discuss him resigning. Um, taking a little bit less money. But he is still technically a free agent. So what do you think he happens there?
1: Um, Being honest, I think a great move for him, even though, if I'm not mistaken, they've already signed. Two D tackles would be the Chargers.
0: That would be nice. Yeah, they have. But, I mean, Fletcher Cox is better than both uh, Sebastian Day and... I think they signed Austin Johnson. so I would take Fletcher Cox over both of them. I'm going to go with the team that actually has lost at the position, and I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, we've seen every other team in the division add to their pass rush. The Chiefs have been the only one that's been kind of quiet. This is the perfect time to bring in a proven veteran, somebody who I'm sure is sniffing out hoping to get another ring. Fletcher Cox will be a great addition. All right, moving on to defensive end, Calais Campbell.
1: Um, if I were him, I honestly would resign
0: with Baltimore. I love for him to come back. I love Calais, but I I don't know. He's testing his options. I feel like if he was going to come back, we might have heard something. Um, but I could see him returning to Arizona, where his career all started. I think that yes, you did. Um, you know, you still got J.J. Watt there. You still want to have a nice presence on that line. I mean, even though your pass rush may not be as prolific as it originally was I think that having Calais Campbell and J.J. Watt there you could really help to shut down the run game something that's really important to two out of the three other teams that are in the NFC West and I think that would be a really smart signing he's experienced he probably wouldn't be that expensive and plus I mean it would just be really fun to watch all right Inside linebacker, Bobby Wagner. As biased as I want to be, and how bad, I want to say the Baltimore Ravens, I could definitely see him reuniting with Russell in Denver, especially because they still have a big-needed middle linebacker.
1: That would be dope, but I, I want to be a agent of chaos. I'm going to say the 49ers
0: him and Fred Warner are a linebacker duo I don't want the smoke with. I don't want any problems with and I'm sure he still does have a little bit of beef with with Seattle, so I could I could see that happening. If anything, just imagine him on that Rams defense if Aaron Donald does come back. That's that's scary. All right, let's move to outside linebacker Zadarius Smith. Um originally it seemed like he had a 4-year, 35 million dollar deal. In place that could go up to fifty mil with Baltimore, but it seems that that deal has fallen apart earlier today after he didn't feel comfortable with the guaranteed money, and then after seeing the type of money that Chandler Jones signed for and Von Miller, he backed out and he's still a free agent. Honestly, I can respect that. What do you think happens next for the Darius Smith?
1: Um, do I want to be? Crazy and outlandish, or do I want to be realistic? I'm gonna be crazy and outlandish. I'm gonna say the Pittsburgh Steelers.
0: Ew! Look. I know. No. I, know. I must mainly say no because I they just took Miles Jack. I wanted Miles Jack. I, I would love to either have him or Bobby Wagner in the middle. I don't want them to steal both the linebackers. I want it. But um, as far as the Darius Smith, honestly, I think he ends up back in Baltimore. I uh, truthfully with the um, such a big edge rushing market that it is And how much money's been doled out I love Zadarius Smith But the thing is he's not on the level of Von Miller And Chandler Jones He looked great in Green Bay But we also have to take into account that he played Half of the first game of the season I think he played in the playoff game But that was it He really hadn't done much this season And you and I talked about it with Michael Thomas The league is a what have you done for me lately thing So they're not going to dish out 15-plus mil that easily, especially coming off, they don't know how healthy you're going to be or how productive you're going to be. Whereas with Baltimore, you know the area. I think he's going to end up re-signing with Baltimore, probably on a very similar deal because he's going to see the market isn't going to be as strong for him as it once was. But speaking of strong markets, I'm sure there's still a strong market for cornerback Stephon Gilmore. Who should sign him? The New
1: Orleans Saints.
0: They need they could definitely use it. Uh for me, I'm gonna say the Las Vegas Raiders. We saw that I say double up. The Chargers did it. They got Khalil Mack and JC Jackson. Go ahead and get Chandler Jones and Stephon Gilmore. Yes, they're a bit older, but they're still two of the best at their respective positions. All right, last but not least, another player who I would have loved to have in Baltimore, but it still kinda worked out. Safety, Tyron Matthew, the honey badger. Where does he end up? <laughs> I'm
1: going to be an agent of chaos, Tampa Bay.
0: That'd be dope. That'd be dope. I mean, they lost Jordan Whitehead. I would love to see him and Antoine Winfield together. I was almost going to go a trifecta for the New Orleans Saints. But I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make it a complete LSU reunion. I'm actually saying Chicago Bears. I know that more than likely Tyron's going to want to sign with the team that is going to have playoff aspirations. But Chicago right now, they got a good amount of cap space, and they'll be able to give him quite a bit of money. I think that that will end up – that will be a really nice place for him, get a completely fresh start, and he would be a really nice new face of the defense, especially with Khalil Mack now in L.A. But all right, let's go ahead and play a quick game of believable or buffoonery before we move on to the NBA. Now, Amari Cooper, we really didn't talk about it much, but he was traded for what's like a fifth and a sixth-round pick to the Cleveland Browns out of Dallas, which I think we can both agree is a bit cheap for a wide receiver of his talents. But it doesn't just seem like the— Browns are going to get a very good receiver. Seems like the Cowboys possibly could suffer without him. So, believable or buffoonery, Dak Prescott is going to struggle without Amari Cooper in tow. Now, just mind you, in the three and a half seasons that he's been with Dak, he's had uh, 2,000-yard seasons, put together 21 touchdowns in the past three years. He's been solid. So, believable or buffoonery, Dak Prescott is going to suffer without Amari Cooper there
1: believable um amari cooper isn't the most consistent wide receiver but when he has his moments he can have some really explosive games and i think that that's something that 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 is going to miss on throughout points of this upcoming season
0: yeah i'm saying believable as well especially because they were unable to bring back cedric wilson because he signed with the dolphins so Yes, you get CD Lamb, who I feel like was going to be, become the number one wide receiver anyway. I think CD is better than Amari. But in addition to that, I mean, yes, you bring back Michael Gallup, but he's still trying to heal that ACL. No telling what they're going to do with that third wide receiver. It's going to be very different um, for an offense that was already kind of going on the downswing at, towards the end of last season. All right, next up. As we mentioned last week, franchise tags were doled out to players, one of those players being um, Devontae Adams, who told the Packers that he was not going to be paying playing this upcoming season on the franchise tag. He's made it known quite a bit that he wants to be the league's highest-paid wide receiver. However, it seems like both sides are still very far apart on a long-term deal. Um, apparently, the Packers did offer him a record-breaking 23, um million a year contract. However, D Hop is making over twenty seven million. So believable or buffoonery, Devontae Adams is going to hold out the upcoming season.
1: Um I think it's buffoonery. I think he might do it a couple of games and then he's just gonna cave in and go ahead and play. Especially given the fact that I think his championship window is is yes,
0: um uh, I'm, I'm going to say believable. I think that he's he's been banging the drum for being the highest paid wideout for a long time. And this past season just reminded everybody why he deserved to be. And I think that, yes, his championship window isn't as wide as it once was. I mean, even still, I mean, the Panthers – I mean, not Panthers, I'm sorry – The Packers need him more than he needs the Packers. I think that you take him out of the toe, of course, Aaron Rodgers is going to be pissed off. He's not going to be happy because I'm sure the Packers aren't going to be that aggressive in bringing in weapons to help him out. So not having Devontae Adams there is going to be a major blow. So I feel like they have to get right. They have to repair that relationship and pay him what he wants or they're going to have to suffer the consequences and really struggle this year. So I think it's believable. I think he really would hold out. But, all right, let's go ahead and make our pred- – I mean, not prediction, I'm sorry. Ethan, what are your top three takeaways of this past week of NBA action?
1: Top three takeaways are, um, I'm, number one, man, it seems like the Warriors can't catch a break. The minute they get Draymond Green back last night, he suffers an ankle injury. that will have him out indefinitely yeah. for um, an unforeseen timetable. Um, I think that a healthy Brooklyn Nets team is really scary to the rest of the Eastern Conference, even with a part-time Kyrie Irving. And number three, um, bro, I hate to say it, but we talked, we kind of had some moments talking about it last night. But well, people are really getting off on on Russell Westbrook, and I'm halfway feels like he just has to take the bullet and um. And just roll the punches because of some of the wild stuff he said about people in the past. But it's also like, it's wild some of the stuff that people have said and done to this man.
0: And they do it so publicly. Like, in what Cat did after the airball three, (laughs) like, it was so blatantly disrespectful. (laughs) Like, it's, yeah, I feel you. And I mean, Russ tried to clap back and be like, nobody on that team has done anything. He's not wrong, but at this moment you're the bigger you're the bigger story. It's it's more not I'm not gonna say popular, but it's easier to crap on you right now. What you haven't been able to do as opposed to get on the Timberwolves. Everybody gets on the Timberwolves, but this year they're actually starting to look good. I mean they've been beating the Lakers the past few games, so. Yeah, it's, it's rough. But, all right, let's go ahead and talk our Mamba Players of the Week. Um, Out of the Eastern Conference, I'm going with your boy, Joel Embiid. Because, I mean, unsurprisingly, Joel Embiid has been playing lights out as of late. I know that it hasn't totally uh, led to victories. But, even still, I mean, Joel Embiid has really been carrying this 76ers squad.
1: Yeah, I'm also with you with Joel Embiid. He's been, he's been dominant this whole season, and it's just continuing
0: All right, moving on to the Western Conference. I'm going Nikola Jokic, another guy who has been dominating. Do I think that he should overtake Joel Embiid in the MVP conversation? No, but, I mean, he's still a dog. I mean, in the past three games has been – I'm sorry, four – Plus, This past week, pretty much He's been having tremendous games It's He's a perennial walking double-double Just uh, last night He had a great game against Washington Dropped 29 points to grab 13 boards 8 assists, and even garnered 2 steals Actually, back-to-back games with 2 steals I mean, he's been a force All season, it's no surprise Easy pick for Western Mamba uh, For
1: me, the Western Mamba I'm going to have to say Luka Doncic He stepped in come back since the all-star break he's been in shape and you can see the um he's just overall skill set and he's just his high skill level and how hard of a guard that he is and he's making winning plays even last night against the nets being able to um read the read get a read out of the double team and kick the Spencer in with it for the game winning three yeah like, this just winning basketball so i gotta go with Luka
0: yeah, and you have to respect it cuz I mean, he's doing it in a multitude of different ways. Like, like you mentioned, I mean, he kicked off the game with an assist. He's not always having to take every single shot for his team to be successful. His basketball IQ is helping his team to have that success as well. Um, speaking of having a high basketball IQ, I'm going to show love to Scotty Barnes who is my rookie Mamba of the week. I mean, it's pretty much kind of been a re- revolving door of Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, or Cade Cunningham, but this time I'm going with Scotty Barnes. This past week has had really good games. Had a really good game um, against The Nuggets a few games back 25-10 Really just a solid performance and I think that We're starting to see him really come into his own As a pro player
1: Yeah I'm going to agree with Scottie Barnes He's essentially become The Toronto Raptors Mr. Do everything like he defends He makes plays As a passer he makes plays As a, uh, a slasher And a scorer and his jump shot is slowly starting to develop and get better.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, he's doing a great job thus far in his development. But all right, let's look at some um, injury news, starting off with something on a positive note. After tearing his ACL over a year ago, Jamal Murray has been assigned to the Nuggets G League team as wavering to get some practice reps, which means that he should be returning too soon. So that's a positive for denver um unfortunately for the magic it seems that they will not be seeing the return of forward jonathan isaac who is going to remain out for the rest of the year as he continues to rehab his his knee apparently he had made attempts to come back but for pretty much for the second straight year he will be out of action and then as you mentioned at the top uh steph curry who unfortunately just a couple days after his birthday suffered that um sprained ligament in his left foot and though the x-rays came out negative he's going to be out indefinitely hopes that he'll be back by the playoffs but like you mentioned the Warriors really can't catch a break so if you're the Warriors where do you go from here what are you doing
1: um luckily I think that they'll be able to um not obviously not be the same team that they were with Steph. But because of the depth, I think that they'll be able to ride this wave a little a little bit easier than they were with Traymond. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because you can just start Jordan Poole at point guard and he isn't stealth, but he is a very capable scorer and someone that can fill in their scoring role that stealth normally feels. And then you also you have you have Clay who's starting to um show signs of being back to his former self and being a dominant, not a dominant, but a really productive player. And you bring in Draymond Brack, and it's like now that he's back, they're showing signs of their former continuity that they had. So I think that they'll be able to um, float on the ship, and it won't be as rocky as it would be without the depth that they have.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's one thing – I hate to say guards come a dime a dozen, but they do. Of course, you're not going to get a player on the caliber of Steph Curry, but you'll still be able to find somebody productive and who can score. We've seen outings from uh, Jordan Poole earlier in the year where he really was able to show out, and then you pair that with, as you mentioned, Klay Thompson as he's getting more comfortable. I think that the Warriors will still be okay. I think that they'll still be able to thug it out as opposed to when Draymond was hurt, and you could tell they were clearly struggling because they did not have... Um, his presence in the post they didn't have the depth necessarily to reclaim um, his spot but looking at the standings right now the Warriors are the third seed um, three and a half games ahead of the Utah Jazz the regular season is feels like it's coming to a rapid end let's say that Steph unfortunately does not come back before the playoffs what seed do you think the Warriors end up as
1: I think that they'll stay in that 3-4 range. I don't think that they'll get any farther than that.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that – I think they're spot safe. No disrespect to the Jazz or anything, but I think the Warriors – I would still take the Warriors and what they have now over what the Jazz have. But, all right, let's go ahead and keep talking. So, everybody's crapping on the Lakers right now, and rightfully so. But it seems like sometimes the Lakers kind of bring some of the trash talk upon themselves. Uh, Last season, after losing to the Suns in the second round of the playoffs, um, Anthony Davis got pretty bold in an interview talking about what would have happened had he not sustained his groin injury. He said that his groin injury was the reason why the Lakers lost that series and said it was. We know that. They know that. They got away with one. Mind you, the Suns did win that series in six games. Instead of just taking a blind eye to it, star guard for the Suns, uh, Devin Booker responded, instead of taking the high road, you just have to make a comment like that. It's kind of funny. So even let's say AD was available to play during that Suns series. Do you think they would have beat the Suns, or do you think we would have still got the same result?
1: We still would have had the same result. I think – It's not even I think the Suns were a better team than the Lakers during their series with AD, even if he would have stayed healthy. I think it would have been really competitive, but I still think the Suns would have pulled it out.
0: I agree. I think it might have went to seven games instead of six, but still the Lakers were still missing quality. Uh, players off the bench somebody to really have that effect um, when it when they weren't running LeBron and AD into the ground so I think it still would have been the same thing it just would have went to seven games instead of six but speaking of calling other people out following the 60 point performance by Kyrie Irvin um Katie had some comments to make about the mayor of New York Eric Adams and said pretty much everybody in the world is confused at this point Eric, you got to figure this out, of course, in referring to the vaccination status. uh, Mike Wilburn on NBA um, retorted Durant's comments and said, you want to call out somebody, call out your teammate. Tell him to get a shot. Are you as confused as I think everybody else is with regards to the vaccination things, with regards to, like, for example, Kyrie could have sat on the sidelines to watch the Knicks and Nets play. However, he couldn't play in the actual game. The still, the part-time status still going. Are you as confused as everybody else? Or do you think that KD... I'm mean not KD, I'm sorry. Kyrie should just relent and take the shot.
1: I'm confused because at one point I thought that I heard that the vaccine mandate was being lifted mm-hmm. and we were just waiting. And now it's seeming like that's not the case. So I am a tad bit confused, but I also just... I. I somewhat agree with Mike Wilbon in the sense of like you're coming after the mayor of New York um, whose job, a major part of his job is to keep the citizens of New York safe. And if if this vaccine is keeping those citizens safe, then screw basketball. You're keeping people safe and you're keeping people alive. And like I'm a huge basketball fan. Like it's my favorite sport. And if you were to tell me, hey, like, you have to take a vaccine to not only keep yourself safe, but keep others safe, then and it's like because of the mandate, like, it's a part of the requirement for you to play. If you really want to play, then you will do it because it's bigger than just having Kyrie there. Like, it's people's lives that are being saved by this vaccine.
0: Yeah, I'm... I I think I'm on more so the side of confusion just because like you mentioned like it seems like we're always hearing something different whether yeah he'll be fine he'll be able to play or yeah they're going to get rid of the mandate but he can't play like it's I wish that there was a set like a set principle or set protocol and we just follow it cuz right now it's still very much so up in the air and I'm sure that's incredibly frustrating for a team like the Nets who have championship aspirations who want to make it who want to make it to the finals. But yeah, I mean, it's more so kind of feels just kind of like a game of chicken. Like who's going to relent first? Like is New York going to change its vaccination protocols first, or is Kyrie going to get vaccinated first? And I think that, I, truthfully, I don't think Kate, Kyrie's going to get vaccinated. I think at this point, if he was going to do it, he would have done it by now. I think the only thing that would really sway him is if it's really close, the team is right next to the finals, but for some reason, game seven or whatever is is going to be in Brooklyn and he can't play and he knows that's the only way he can play, maybe they'll sway it. But even still, I feel like Kyrie views his principles to be more than his more important than basketball, which on on a surface level, I do respect. But, yeah, I'm very confused by that as well. But, all right, let's go ahead and play a game of believable or buffoonery. And we're going to start off with former NBA pro uh, Stephen Jackson, who has some very interesting comments to make about Kristaps Porzingis. Now, Porzingis, as we all know, was traded from the Mavs right before the NBA trade deadline to the Washington Wizards and has not exactly been playing his best ball. To lead Stephen Jackson to say, I think in some kind of way, he's got to start figuring himself out. In a year or two, if he keeps going the way he's going, he's going to be out of the league. And, I mean, Jackson does have a point. His field goal percentage has not been great. Um, Just a week ago against the Lakers, shot a gross 23.1% from the field, 3 of 13 shooting. And he's also had other multiple games where he was shooting that poorly from the field. His rebounding has not been exactly what you would want out of a guy Size. It just he has not been the unicorn that we expected him to be throughout the rest of his career that he showed with the Knicks. So believable or Chris or buffoonery. Christoph Porzingis is playing himself out of an NBA career.
1: I think it's believable. Um, and one of the thing, reasons I will say this is because if he isn't going to be the unicorn star player slash second fiddle to a superstar type player maybe he just needs to work on trying to reinvent himself mm-hmm. and, and lose that narrative because in reality, Porzingis is a 7'3 freak goal athlete. Instead of maybe trying to um, primarily have a perimeter game and be a
0: big, a large guard, maybe you,